all of us here at Troy Church in Troy, Alabama. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We are a family in Jesus that aims to love God, love one another, and love the world. If you would like more information on who we are, what we believe, or how to get involved, please visit us at troychurch.tv or email us at info, I-N-F-O, at troychurch.tv. Let us listen to God's people hope for their salvation over 400 years before Christ's birth. Lamentations 3, 21 through 26, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now here, Matthew introduces us to our ultimate hope the hope we pray we would live in view of day by day, regardless of circumstances and appearances. Matthew 1, 18 through 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. His mother Mary had been betrothed to Jesus, to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. As we light this first candle of hope, let us celebrate how God has given us hope in Christ and how we as one faith family can praise the truth that God has come to us, is with us, and is coming again. Let's pray. God, we admit that silence... It's so weird and hard for us and so different than, than normal. We ask you to help us be a people that embrace some quiet and silence in the middle of all the things this year. Help us to remember what only we could hear over and over every year and still forget. Please meet us here in Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Miss Donna. Uh, Miss Donna relatively is new to our uh, church family, and I really hope that all of you get a chance to get to know her and all the other families that you get to meet as they're a part of our Advent time, Advent season. Uh, Before we start, we're going to be in that last passage that she was in in Matthew chapter 1. I want to tell you, you know, volunteer logistics with Troy kids, we had our four and five-year-olds in here today. That's why that was a little bit thicker than normal going out. And I know, like, I know from sitting with one that pounds coffee creamer and mints during worship the whole time. My worst hour of parenting is during worship uh, every week. 
I know it's hard and fidgety and frustrating, but it is also so good. And I just want to encourage all parents and the rest of the church family to embrace moments where we get to have our, our kids in here. I hope after service you'll be like, hey, you know, y'all got to sing with us today. Y'all know what that's about. Y'all know why we do that. Y'all know what that's for. And you're able to say, hey, that's our church getting to say true things about God at the same time together. That's why we sing. We get to say things that make a big deal out of God together. And I hope that you'll use that teachable moment today and uh, help cherish our kids as a church family. Um, so Advent, uh, hope today. Hope is a person, like we talked about before. Hope is the person of Jesus. So we celebrate the coming of hope in the coming of a real living person. It makes me think of uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 3, where Peter calls us to rejoice in a living hope. Like hope is not just a thing or a feeling, but it's something that's alive because Jesus is alive. So today that's what we stop and look at. Um, I think we know what it is to hope in big dramatic things. Um, probably the closest we could get to identifying like what it feels like to hope. We've all been watching some football lately, probably. We, we had some hope. A lot of us had hopes yesterday as a city, both where you sit and our friends across the street. We've gotten to enjoy the culmination of hope, like to watch something and want an outcome and to see that happen. That's hope. So I, I think we know what hope feels like in that respect. I think we know what it is to hope for outcomes like in work or you know, in big life milestones. But per what we talked about last week, I want us to to kind of sit in a space as a church of what it means to have hope and need hope and need Jesus, like need hope coming in a person for the, the mundane majority things that we go through day to day. Like we need hope, like to hope that we will be aware of a living Jesus like Tuesday when we're doing boring Tuesday things. And like you're trying to selflessly like live sacrificially for your spouse or see about your kids or do family for Christmas or do well at work in a time that's chaotic and you feel like your whole office is kind of like hanging it up for the year, like just throwing in the towel and waiting for January. Like we need hope, a living hope for that, like little everyday mundane things, like Jesus to be a part of that. We need, need hope for that mundane majority and, and he's here, like he's with us, he's come. And that's, that's what I hope we'll remember as a church, that hope as a living person has come. And we really need him to come because we don't live like he's come most days. So I hope we'd acknowledge as a church that we don't live like a living hope has come to us. But despite that, he has indeed come and, and indeed desires interaction or relationship, like being with us always to the end of the age, through the end of the age. So we're going to look at the, that today through this story. This is going to sound confusing on the front end, but if you're writing notes, if you want to title this, it's Jesus gives hope by taking. So we're going to see him today give hope, be hope coming, even before he's born. He's going to do this stuff from the womb, which is super cool. But he's going to give hope by taking things. So we're going to see him take three things today um, from this, this account in Matthew 1. If you were around last year, we focused in Luke's gospel. We looked at Mary's perspective, so it's going to be kind of cool to see this from a simultaneous, like, other side perspective uh, from Matthew's gospel and uh, what Joseph, uh, what the, the kind of father of Jesus 
was going through during this time, during this Advent time. So I'm going to reread just a couple of verses. Let's, let's look at 18, halfway through it. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So Mary and Joseph had been engaged, venues, bands, food, engaged for some time. She's found to be pregnant. She's pregnant. Joseph, in verse 19, it says he's two things. He's just and kind. Like, he's just and he's unwilling. He doesn't want to put her to the same show. He's just like, hey, this girl's pregnant. I didn't do it. I'm out. Like, I'm leaving. That's, that's fair. That's just, especially in this time. But also some kindness and grace. And, like, I'm not trying to make a scene. Like, I'm not trying to embarrass my pregnant fiance that I really don't understand how or why she's pregnant. But like last week, so last week we, we celebrated the birth of John the Baptist. We saw his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, you know, go through another unlikely scene of getting pregnant as really old people past that age and not really understanding how that's going on. So we see an angel intervene. Likewise, here an angel intervenes in this odd, unlikely situation. He tells Joseph, don't fear. Same thing he told Zechariah. Don't fear to take Mary as your wife because this baby's from God. This baby is special. You know, this is from God and of God. Before Jesus is even born, he's disrupting lives. Like he's disrupting people. The first thing we'll see Jesus take in his giving us hope is reputation. Jesus takes reputations. He takes how much we care about what other people think of us. He demands that. He takes that when he comes, when he shows up. I want you to imagine, we've heard this story year after year after year, and it becomes so familiar to us, I think it, it, it kind of becomes white noise to us. I want you to, th- you know, married people, think back to when you're engaged. Like, you're engaged, your fiancé is pregnant, you know the baby is not yours. Joseph probably didn't even see Mary's ankles, like in this culture and like time of... of dating and she says babe yeah this baby's from the holy spirit and he's like okay from the holy spirit how do we know that and she's like oh gabriel told me who's gabriel it's an angel it's the same angel that visited my uh old old relatives that also had a baby past the point of time so that's how she explains her pregnancy to her fiance and i want you to look at this and realize this if you never have yeah, she obviously had to tell him about being pregnant, and his plan was to leave. Joseph did not believe Mary, obviously. He didn't believe her. He doesn't believe her. You'd be out, and, and, and he was. Yeah, he does what all of us probably would do, and he's thinking about it. So we have this scene of him thinking about it, like, gosh, I don't know what's up, and she's saying this, and I'm not really sure, and I'm just going to bail on this as discreetly as possible for her sake. She's a great girl and all. And we see an angel intervene and say, don't be afraid because of who this baby is. I want you to take Mary as your wife to go through with this. this and she's telling the truth. So he obeys. And I just want you to, to understand and hold. He knows what you would know, that just like he wasn't going to buy that story, nobody else in this community or in their lives is going to understand this story either. People would assume that either... Him and Mary just made a mistake, slipped up, messed around, or even more embarrassingly, that Mary had been getting around with a bunch of other people and she was indeed pregnant, 
and he was going to go through this anyway. In a day and time and culture where this is, even to the world, like outside of the religious context, was a huge, huge deal. Joseph obeys knowing full well that the community, all the eyes around him, his family, is not going to buy this. His, his reputation is trashed. Like He knows what this means for what people will think about him. But after this encounter with this messenger from God, it does not matter anymore to him. Jesus from the womb takes his reputation. This baby took his reputation. God with us, a living hope, Jesus, he takes reputations. He comes and demands reputations, and that's actually one of the most hopeful things we could ever hold, and I hope you'll see that as we continue on. I want us to be real, like, in, in respect to our brothers and sisters around the world that actually live in persecution, in, in difficult situations where it's hard to be a Christian. We're in Troy, Alabama, and it is perfectly socially, accept, socially acceptable, even socially expected and furthering for you to, to be a Christian and be affiliated with a church. Like, let's be real. That's, that's a thing. But if we really let Jesus in holistically, like in an integrated way into all aspects of our lives, we will be a disruptive person in our community. If you are a person that exercises self-control in what you say about other people in your conversations or in your actions, if you're a person that embraces and even seeks out diversity and friendships and relationships, if you're a person that you know, stands for rhythms of rest and you know, healthy rhythms of balance in your life, if you're a person that really presents your children as, as living beings given to you to be stewarded from the Lord and not vessels to you know, kind of redeem your life regrets through, like, if you're a, a loving enough friend that will say hard things to another friend, you will be a disruptive person. And it will not always be taken well. Jesus takes reputations even before he's born, and he demands ours. He'll be disruptive in our relationships. It will cost. And if there's anything we love more than ourselves or even close to, you know, as much as we love ourselves as what people think about us. This is super disruptive and confrontational, this God-man. And we really care about what people think about us, and I'd ask you to consider this Advent, how tight your grip is on that. This Christ has come to take that reputation to be Lord of it. i give you a prayer to pray. We're going to circle back to this at the end, too. I'm, you're going to feel like I'm leaving you hanging. Show me where what people think about me keep me from doing what you say to do. Would you pray that? Show me where what people think about me keeps me from doing what you say to do. You know, this Jesus takes reputations, but through it gives us hope. We're going to come back to that before we leave. Second thing he takes is he takes control. So I want to go to verse, let's look at 21. Let's go up to 20, actually. So as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So, Jesus takes control. In and of himself, Joseph was going to leave. Like, that was his plan. God says, nope. I want you to stay, like stay here. 
in, in a day and time, if you go back to Luke and the, the end of the story we didn't finish last week, and uh, Zechariah, remember he couldn't talk, and yeah, his baby John the Baptist is being born, so while he can't talk, people are like, hey, you know, the baby's born, what are we going to name him? And he writes on a tablet, John, and it puts everybody in a little frenzy because back then names were so important and so associated with the family lineage. Like you name somebody to continue on your family name and honor and tradition, and they kind of freaked out and said, why would you name him John? That's not a part of your family whatsoever. So in a day when, in time where names were huge, God takes that away from Joseph and says, hey, here's a name for him already. I'm giving you a name that doesn't have anything to do with you. And in a time where family lineage and trade, like son's going to do what dad does and his son's going to do what his, his dad did, this angel Gabriel tells Joseph, hey, you know, I've already got a job for him also. Everything that you would seek to like plot and direct in your son's life, it's already done and finished. You're not in control. This is not your baby. This is God's and is God. Joseph is commanded to essentially... Like, do everything contrary to what he would naturally do, what his culture and even our culture would suggest in view of Jesus, and he does. So Jesus, from the womb, he takes control away from Joseph. God with us, Emmanuel, hope come to us. He, he demands our control. He takes control for us. We don't like that either. To go back to the garden again, like we did last week, you see the snake tempt Eve. And he says, oh, you know, God, God just told you not to eat that because he knows if you do, you're going to know the difference in good and evil. So in other words, you're going to be empowered to be God, like empowered to, to have control. You're going to have the tools to be able to make decisions and you know, be God over your life and call the shots and plot the course and you know, write the script for how everything's going to happen. And we've been buying that lie since that time. We love control. As I get older, it becomes increasingly harder for me to ride in the passenger seat with one of you people. Yeah, I start doing kind of like one of these, and I'm really close to the shoulder, and I'm used to being over far away from the shoulder, and I'm just kind of like, I'm not in control, and you're driving, and I'm not, and it freaks me out. At the same time, if I'm driving, and Fran's riding, and I'm texting one of you, and I don't see somebody in front of me, and she yells, and I stop, I'm like, no, nah, I got this. I'm in, I'm in control. Like, we like control or at least illusions of control. Climate in our house, our speed, bank accounts, we got insurance for our insurance. And those are great things. I'm glad we have all those things. But when we carry that obsession with control into the plotting of our life or the plotting of our kids, the plotting of other people's lives, this death grip on this imaginary steering wheel and Jesus comes and says, no, I want that. Like, that's mine. I uphold the universe with the word of my power. I'm in control and you're not. I want to be Lord of your life. And we kind of look and be like, no, like, I, I want to be Lord of my life. That's what we're prone to do. We do not live like we believe that Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power day to day. If we, if we did, we wouldn't freak out so much when our life goes off script for a few days. So prone to love control. Is our family brave enough to say, like, hey, this is our heart, this is what we want to do? Like Jesus in the garden said, hey, if there's any other way this could happen, it would be great. But at the same time to say, hey, my job, my work, my kids, our life, our resources, they're yours because you are a better Lord over these things than me. Like, can you say that 
And not even in the big dramatic like milestone pillar moments of life, but again in that day-to-day mundane like you were the Lord of this random Tuesday during our week, like our going to school, our coming home, our eating supper, our resources, our text, our conversations, they're yours. Take them. I'm a human, a broken human. I'm lousy at control. You're the God of the universe. Control this. So much hope in his taking our control from us. Last thing, would you think if he just took away our reputation, like our obsession with other people think about us and just took away our control, we'd be a hollow shell that's freaking out and shaking. So third thing, he takes away our sin. He takes away our sin. And takes away our sins in the context of both those first two things. So I want you to look at verse 21 again. She'll bear a son, talking about Mary, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from all of their sins. So you'll name him Jesus because he'll save people from their sins. Jesus, the name literally means God saves. God saves. I want you to think about how cool this conversation, I think this is the first kind of sneak peek. I really doubt Joseph understood the full scope of what's going on with who Jesus is and what he would come to do. I think this is the first announcement that this baby is actually God. Because I want you to think about what the angel says to Joseph. I want you to name this baby God saves because this baby will save his people from their sins. God saves, this baby will save the people. Ipso facto, this baby is God. A subtle announcement to Joseph about who this baby is in his trembling fiance's womb. So he is God, God personally in the flesh, saving the people that belong to him from their sin, sin that belongs to them. I just want you to think about what that looks like in terms of the first two things we talked about. We love our reputation. We cherish it. We idolize our reputation and what people think. God with us, our living hope, what does he do when he comes to earth and dwells among us? Isaiah 53 says he was despised and rejected by men. He walks in the the opposite of our idolatry of our reputation and, and, and our cherishing what people think about us. God came and people thought he wasn't God. God came and walked among people and endured the people he walked among, not believing that he was who he says he was. He was despised and rejected, hated for years of his earthly life. Jesus walked in that life concerned only with pleasing the Father and pleased him all the way to the point of death. Death on a cross for our obsession with the approval of man. I want you to think about the hopelessness that it is to live life day to day to please other people or in fear of man. When Jesus comes and takes that and demands it, it is true hope. Hope to live concerned in only our reputation before a father that has been gifted to us. Our reputation before our father is in the perfect life of Jesus and his sufficient death on the cross and it's all that matters and it is true hope and it's true freedom. Think about it in terms of our love for control. We love control. We love to control or to think that we're in control. God with us, our living hope, came. I want to read a verse we read a lot, 1 Peter 2, 22. He committed no sin, 
Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Listen to this. He continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Jesus, God in, in person, came and even as God gave up his control, in a sense, he entrusted himself to his Father to the point of death, even death on a cross. Not my will, but yours. In spite of our love to be God and, and hang on to control. Our illusion of control and living by it. And I want you to think of the hopelessness wrapped up in, the, in, in our illusion or obsession with controlling our life. We're bad at it. You and I are bad at calling the shots of our lives. And when our God puts on flesh and comes and takes that away from us, by taking it away from us, he gives us true hope. Hope to walk in, surrender to the control of the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power. He gives us hope by taking away these things that are so self-destructive that we cherish and he's here, a living hope. He's here. I hope we'd all just in the room in this moment as we sing, as we sit for a little bit, that we'd collectively acknowledge, I love like, and obsess over what people think about me. I'm a human, I do that. That you'd be able to say that to Jesus and be like, here's this up on the table. Come and take this. I have to have you take. You're my only hope to take this. Please come and take it. I hope we'd all be able to admit together I love control. I love to control and plot out every second dot, every five-minute window of my life. Yeah, I'm, I'm acknowledging that before you. I have no hope in life to take that. Like, please come and take this from me in a way that would be completely yielding to you in the face of extreme calls to stay, go, do whatever as a family. And some of us might need to see him come and take our sin for the very first time. Some of us that may have heard a narrative our whole life or been around some kind of church environment our whole life that said, you know, clean up, polish up, do enough good stuff, and, you know, maybe you'll be associated with him enough for him to accept you. When, in fact, he has come to call us to a point that's like, there is no way I am hopeless. To a point where we can see him come and live perfectly for you, do all the, the good checklist things for you and, and that be gifted to you for him to go to the cross and die for all your rebellion and shortfall and that to be gifted to you some of that I pray God might let you see for the very first time and you need to have to come have a conversation with us about that and what to do with that I pray that you would that you would seek us out in that but may we stop and remember that hope is a person I pray thanks again for tuning in and don't forget to check us out on Facebook, at our website, or even in person right here in Troy. All information and links are in our description. Thank you and God bless.